0: Hello and welcome to the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. I'm Julianne Javaux, a consultant specializing in archetypes, and my co-host, as ever, is Sundara Quackenbush, who is a tarot consultant. Today we delve into card number nine of the major arcana of the tarot, and that is the hermit. We're going to discuss the hermit as a stage of our journey, as well as we're going to talk about the archetypes of the hermit and maybe we'll get into the Mystic and the Wanderer as well. So, hey, Sandera, how you doing?
1: I'm doing super well, and... Uh sometimes as as we notice the cards that we're on reflect things that are going on uh, in our life and i've just gotten back from joshua tree my hometown uh, for a festival and so i'm feeling that a little bit of that hermit energy and uh we'll, yeah we'll talk a bit about that today yeah uh so let's explore these cards so uh taking a look at uh right now both the rider weight and the marseilles deck We've got uh, our hermit who looks like a quintessential archetypal wise man with his beard and uh, this older man. He's got robes and, uh, and, and, and in both of these versions and in many versions of the hermit, we see a lantern. He's holding a lantern up and looking out somewhere. And also in his other hand, he has a staff something to... that makes him look really quite humble, doesn't it? It makes him... it shows his age, but it also shows that he's connected to the earth and he's also connected to the sky, so he's got this... it may be reflective also of that long... uh, a long version of that wand that the magician had a long time ago, but this is really... it's a a long staff connected to the earth. And then that lantern shining its light uh, is often interpreted as sign of reflection of the luminousness of consciousness shining out into the world. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about the stage. So we've just emerged from justice. So maybe the (laughs) hero, our hero, the tarot has, has had to go through some sort of justice for maybe something he's done or had to reflect on. And so now maybe through some sort of hard reality of the splitting of those two poles or.
0: Yeah. Well, we talked about, um, in the last podcast for, for justice and the judge, a, uh, taking an objective view or, or doing what you can because we can never truly be objective about our own lives. But, uh, there was, it asked the question and asked us to take a look at what needs to be balanced. And in balancing things, sometimes you need to lop off part of, you know a project or an idea or something that you're you're you've been working with so we go from the chariot chariot and that outward movement to okay now we need to rebalance things how how do we move forward and that can be it can be kind of painful to really look at maybe something that you've been thinking about or doing and and go you know what i just need to not do that anymore or in order to rebalance i have to let part of this go or this idea or what have you, and the, the coming to the hermit is a really nice um, integration point, where maybe you've made those difficult decisions and you've you know you've gotten some insight. Um, there is there is a point where um, it's as if the tide kind of has to go out for a little bit in order to find you know what's true and, and and how do I move forward? The the images on the card, and I always do a little research to see how people have interpreted the creative interpretations of these symbols and images. And you think of the hermit as being kind of like in one place, kind of away from the world, but the images by and large were always in movement or Mm -hmm. they were, they were out in the woods, um, carrying this, uh, lamp. And so it says to me that rather than just sort of staying in one place, there is a sense of movement that it's not hiding away in a cave it's not just sort of like right. a complete retreat, but it's it's a retreat in a way that we are uh, looking for illumination. But that can also be done while we're moving. Yeah, um, and that the uh, one of my favorite images I found. Um, someone did a card that had the, uh, the the hermit in the middle of the woods, and that there that the idea is that we're going back into darkness, but we're bringing illumination. We're bringing light um, to. To sort of see where we're going, the forest, but also to be quiet for a time to to listen, to um, you know what's really true, what comes up when we do get quiet.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. So that that question of when you separate from, whether it's your community, this society, what is it that you're actually connecting to? What fills in that? abyss that would have been filled by people, people, people time. Mm-hmm. And so what we see here is, is um, a really incredible connection to nature, right? Mm-hmm. And a, a b- being able to listen and and still have the eyes open to the world. I'm seeing that in this Marseilles version here. He really has his eyes open and looking around him. And so there there is a connection with the environment here, as well as w- maybe when that space is not filled up with voices or human interactions. It's being able to see how the outer nature can reflect the inner nature. So there is definitely an, an, can be an inward looking quality to this stage for our hero.
0: We had to touch back with what you mentioned earlier and what we had been discussing before we started uh, recording this podcast is that the nature of these um, archetypes and these archetypal stages Sometimes you will notice that like, you need to go into a particular stage. Maybe you listen to these podcasts and you're like, okay, actually, I'm really feeling I need to be more in the chariot mode or mm-hmm. you're noticing some full energy or whatever. Um, so there's that sort of intentional side of it where something in your psyche says, this is important. Let me investigate this as a stage. Um, what can happen too, and what you and I discussed, is that these stages will happen before we realize that they are. And then we have a moment going, Oh, right. I see this is this pattern. And it wasn't, it wasn't anything that we did intentionally. Mm-hmm. But so for example, for the hermit, maybe there are times when the tide does seem like it's going out where we are asked, not that we want to, mm-hmm. but we're asked to kind of like take a moment of integration and that maybe there was a flood for me myself. there's a flood of activity happening and then, Um, that builds the expectation that that will then continue, but then as circumstances sort of go along, you find that that, um, some of that activity is going away or calming down. And it's sort of like for me asking me, oh, okay, maybe I am, maybe this is a good point for the hermit to, to come in as a pattern and for me to use that, um, because it's happening already. So there's a, there's a question of sort of causality. And I think with any of these archetypal stages, it happens both ways, intentionally or where we're caught up in it and we go, oh, okay, now I can make use of this time and see it as purposeful versus, you know, the first reaction of getting annoyed where certain things aren't going the way that you want them to. But it's like, oh no, this is, there's something deeply important about being a hermit right now or, or seeing things as being important enough to see who I, I am without those activities happening.
1: Yeah that's I that's totally my experience with with doing tarot readings too is that you can have these two ways about it you can be asking what are the forces that are apparent in my life now or or needing some time and space and if if you're feeling busy 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 and t- like everything's moving so fast and you're getting annoyed and sick and all of these things are happening, it may be the hermit calling out for, okay, let's slow things down here. Let's, let's just separate a little bit. And and as we talk about this, I'm also reminded of uh, initiation rites, that separation is a, an essential aspect of an initiation mm-hmm. into something new.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so you have to separate from the community and you have to go out on your own and have your own experience your own little vision quest um, whatever modern urban way that can take these days too and then but it's important to see this as a stage and not necessarily as the end result right this is a stage of time to learn something or to go seek and find a mentor so we can see this as both maybe our hero needs to be a hermit for a while or maybe it is that on his journey he's having to go out and find that uh, hermit on the boundaries of society to consult with and bring his, gosh, I just uh, came across the justice system. What, what am I to think about this? You know, someone outside of the entire system, outside of the justice system, can h- help him to reflect again on what that means for his journey in his life. Uh, what are some, some hermits that you've, uh, that you, automatically think of when you think of in, in films or myths and that, that outside of the bounds sort of character that,
0: you know, it's come to me. Um, and I had honestly, two weeks ago, I'd forgotten that we were going to be doing the her- the hermit this time around, uh-huh. but it just kept coming up, uh, ke- coming up and that was, um, Henry David Thoreau sort of perfect, mm. especially when you look at, um, at Walden, um, mm-hmm. that uh, the process that he took and everything that he talks about is quintessentially, the hermit stage of a journey and he himself kind of, you know, went out and built his cabin and, you know, his experience of it. He, he documented in detail using each of the, the sort of stages of, of how he went out into the woods, why he did what he came back with. And what's important to know too, as um, you know, he wasn't a hermit his whole life. He actually did go back into town and mm-hmm. left um, Walden Pond um, to actually help uh, his mentor Emerson. So I think mm. that's a good reference mm-hmm. too. If we look at Ralph Waldo Emerson um, as as being a mentor to to Henry David Thoreau, mm. it's that um, on uh, with Joseph Campbell's ideology of the hero's journey. It's the meeting of the mentor. But yeah. there is mm-hmm. there is something that you might not recognize who your best mentor is until maybe you've had some time in a hermitage. Or were you at least metaphorically been able to kind of like let go of things a little bit in order to, to integrate, to get a bit of distance, um, and to be able to sort of calm and be, be, be on your own a little bit. And I want to talk a little bit about the shadow of what I see. The hermit archetype is that, uh, isolation of people who, um, maybe, Maybe it's your reaction to the victim archetype where you're you're just in reaction to how painful things can be out there in the world. And I mean that by saying that we have relationships when we're out in the world. Our relationships, um, they are dynamic by nature and they're not always pleasant. And the shadow of the hermit is to completely isolate from that, thinking that that will bring them solace. Now, it certainly can, I think, for everyone needs a moment away.
1: Definitely. And uh mm-hmm. if,
0: if a client's like, oh well I'm a I'm a hermit, you know, this and that, we always want to investigate how does that play out? Because the 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 greatest possibility, the sort of the the lightest side of the hermit is that um desire and motivation and ability to to be by themselves, to to sort of like refresh by being by themselves. But it's not in reaction to the world. It's really more of like a a uh, recentering so that they can then go back out into the world with that energy and and share it. So and something to kind of keep an eye on of like why why do you want to move away? Is it to is it to get refreshed and nourished or is it because I am damn tired of the world and I need to get away.
1: Right, absolutely. And and for some this withdrawal or this time for reflection can be seen in their seeking out of therapy and going into the therapeutic realm and, and really getting down to the bottom of a lot of what their soul is experiencing. Um, and yeah, once again, that shadow side, um, can come up. So in relation to this shadow of the hermit, I'm going to read a quote from, uh, James Hillman from a conversation he had with a writer named Michael Ventura. And we've had a hundred years of psychotherapy and the world's getting worse. <laughs> so, um, So Hillman says, clients begin to have to relate their psychological lives to the world's problems, and they cannot duck out of positions in the world by referring to victimization and weakness, and I'm only one person, and scoot back into an internal life or personal relationships.
0: Great quote. So that that says to me, there's potentially a hermit space within the therapeutic, you know, sitting on the couch talking, doing talk therapy mm-hmm. and that there is that sense you almost become you could potentially become solipsistic
1: where right. you're thinking
0: oh well this is you know it's all about me and that reaction to things that have happened It, I don't remember who said it but there's kind of there's a quote or an idea that You know, as you go into the therapy room to talk about your problems, you also need to realize that other people are in therapy because of you. (laughs) 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 And that this balanced approach to realize that like, oh, well, you know what, if if the more I'm not dealing with my own issues, the more I'm kind of creating them for other people in my life mm-hmm. so that there's this sort of symbiotic kind of relationship of understanding that like, you know, there's the, there are greater responsibilities to, to heal yourself and, and in so doing heal others. Yeah, that's right. Um, I like that idea. And I think it's appropriate to sort of this stage of, of the hermit integrating the balance and the justice and, and also preparing for the next stage. What's about to happen.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. So keeping track of that, that energy also that's spent in time in therapy and and having an equal amount of awareness of what's going on in the world. How are these things impacting us? How does the next election impact our lives? And, and if we're too focused on our interior worlds, you know, we still need to return and put our vote in for, the, for what's going to be our best chance at changing the world, right? So... Um, Keeping both of those, keeping an eye on that shadow of the hermit is a good thing.
0: So this um, stage to kind of give it, you know, a deeper um, sense for everyone in their lives, the, the kind of watch words I look for, introspection, integration, a time to reflect and to have that reflection, um, obviously for what's going on with you internally, but also look at then, you know, we're eventually going to have to go back out into the world. How, how can we bring the, the healing or the knowledge that we've reflected upon then back out to the world?
1: Yeah, that's and right. And see
0: how that, how, how that energy can be changed once we've taken a moment to, to get a deeper understanding, to, to maybe look at things a little bit more philosophically. I know uh, the, the work that I do for, for people in kind of teaching this archetypal technology is just that, of being able to step back, see it as a pattern first, And then see how that integrates into the personality to take a little bit of that sort of like um, stiff energy where we take things personally Mm. and be able to kind of to to go let go of enough of that that we can kind of see that larger integration point and kind of step away from things where we're just feel like we're banging into walls. And when that happens, the just anything like that your practices do that can kind of bring us up to the bigger picture that we can then go back into the world and, and be focused on what we're being called to focus on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. An, ar- an archetypal session or a tarot reading absolutely gives you that chance to step back and to see the larger picture and to see what it, what is that story that's happening right now.
0: We hope you're enjoying this episode and we invite you to become a part of the Archetypal Tarot team by becoming a patron. It's super easy. And there are some awesome rewards for joining. So just visit tiny.cc slash tarot for more information. And now back to our program.
1: Um, I'm feeling lots of imagery from the desert where uh, I'm originally from and where I recently visited is coming up. And Mm. I want to talk about a a friend of mine who lives out in the desert. And she lives like way out in the middle of nowhere off a few random dirt roads, like, the, the, the directions to her house are hilarious, they're like, you gotta go in between a telephone pole and a Joshua tree, and then <laughs> you, you're you gonna think you're lost, but just keep on going, <laughs> and it's just, I, was, I just totally forgot what desert directions are like, but anyway, you get out there, and she has this amazing, just little desert paradise that she's made her own, and uh, it's just... Uh, you know, it has all these beautiful sculptures, and she has a garden, and and then I just felt like time could just slow down, and I could feel the silence again, and I could hear the wind, and I could be in touch with the the animals that flock to her little mini mother goddess (laughs) oasis, right? But she's also just a great example of someone who may be seen as a hermit, but is also completely involved in community. She's always every day she's off to some um, art event or she's uh, going to a meeting about sustainability and stewardship for the desert. And, you know, she's very much involved in in the entire community. And she was really um, quite inspiring to see how she could hold that balance of coming in, having your own paradise, um, making that beautiful and rich and and having time for self-reflection and then completely being engaged with um, the world around as well.
0: It sounds to me like that is the heart of the kind of healthy uh, hermit where you you need to have sort of an internal integration point where you're physically you know, and emotionally sort of separate. But what that provides for you, that's like going, they call it going back to the well, where you're going back mm. to the well and then you are much more able to, to be connected in a more outward way with the world. But it's necessary for you to sort of come back to that center. And so I guess for, for people who are who are looking at these podcasts to, to get information about things, archetypes and patterns that they can use. Just, I think it's really important to recognize that that's, that's the balance of things is, is to see that that centeredness, um, what it does is it it provides us symbolic nutrition
1: to be Mm -hmm. able to,
0: to not armor yourself, to go back out into the world. Mm -hmm. That would be sort of the, the warrior's way of doing it, but to be so solid within yourself that you've got more to give. You've filled up so much that you're now ready to go back and connect,
1: and that shows that balance of the lantern and the the staff again. Like mm-hmm. when the hermit re- returns to the world, you have a uh, you have a hold on your light that you bring to the world, your gifts, your insight, literally looking within and bringing it out. Your insight reflected in that lamp, but also a sense of humility. Yeah, you're right. It's very different from that warrior archetype, and that sense of humility of like feeling your Ailments, you know. The hermit has a stick. Maybe you're you're in tune with what your limp is mm-hmm. in the world. You're in tune with what your shadow side is in the world mm-hmm. as you return. It's
0: and coming right after the judge archetype or justice. This isn't. This is definitely not about judgment. It's about that wisdom and reflection, um, getting a deeper understanding. Um, and there's there's. I mean, if you just look at um, fairy tales and mythology, and Anytime, you know, when you, you see a hermit or the witch in the woods, they're always closer to nature. You know, the, you're in, uh, ancient mythology and, in especially fairy tales. I always think of like the wise woman in the woods or the, the hermit who you have to travel to the guru at the top of the mountain that there is that, um, the symbology basically says, go out to this place. That's far away from distractions. And you're, you're always seeking that wise person, but you can do this for yourself. You can sort of step away for a little, a little while to to get that separation and to get a, a bit more space to to concentrate on things. And you mentioned, you know, the desert. I mean, the desert's a perfect um, symbol. You think of uh, Jesus in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, in Tibetan mythology or Tibetan uh, Buddhist mythology, we have the story of Melarapa, I think, which is also another. Um, great story where he was separated from his family and he did find a mentor and kept having to rebuild. He was ordered to rebuild this house brick by brick and then knock it all down and then started again. And so there is that the integration in that and that mythology was um, of that building and rending, but also kind of being on your own with it. And then each brick he he put in, each stone in building this house was was important for him to both construct and deconstruct. So that can be a part of this internal process, too, where we're going to get answers and we think we might have built something, but it might also be that we need to kind of take it apart again. Right. And mm-hmm. um, the shadow side could be getting obsessed with that, right. of being so isolated and so um, into your own internal process that you're, you're not building any um, reserves of energy or anything that you can then take back out. Mm. It's like you're kind of a, becoming a, a bit of a miser and that's something that can be related to... Oh, that's right. That's Mm -hmm. interesting.
1: That can be the shadow side of that as well. I'm thinking as you speak about that brick-by-brick thing of uh, Carl Jung, who spent a a large part of time actually getting stones and building his own little wooden... Or, sorry, his own little stone cottage, Mm -hmm. um, where he he had that sense of being in separation and being able to reflect, and um, I, I believe a large part of that time also invested in... Doing the Red Book, which is an incredible book that uh, came out a couple years ago, finally. They were his. They were his
0: journals. I mean, yeah, it was deep, it, deep stuff. And he
1: put so he put so much care and attention into into the Red Book, um, but it eventually stopped when he felt like he needed to return and go mm-hmm. back out. And the Red Book time lessened a little bit when he went back out into the world. So yeah, he's another great example of this.
0: There, there are plenty of them. A couple of the, um, others that I think of, uh, Emily, um, Emily Dickinson. Um, but the way she moved out into the world was with her poetry. Mm-hmm.
1: She was mm-hmm. a bit
0: of a recluse herself. Definitely. That mm-hmm. wasn't, that doesn't mean that she didn't see people socially. I mean, she was, she was an interesting character and she hung out with people, but they t- tended to come to her. Right. Um, Also, well, Emerson himself has a little bit of that, but he had a very big presence in outer world and in teaching, um, Thomas Merton, the, uh, Catholic mystic, um, the way I think, I mean, he basically did, you know, go into a hermitage, but his way of coming back out was then with, with writing and teaching. And that I think had its own special kind of energy around it. Pema Chodron. As, as well. I think that is, I think the hermit is definitely part of her story. She's a Buddhist nun and teacher, um, who's still with us. Um, still, still quite, quite young in terms of things. She's, um, one to look at too, if you were looking for guidance on this sort of this idea of coming back to center
1: or meditation, Pema Chodron, somebody I, I recommend. And living here in the Bay area, look, I'm thinking now of John Muir, who. Um, is a great example of that moving hermit of going out into nature, and his famous line of saying, "When I went, when I went out, I was really look- going in." Mm-hmm. And uh, that's perfect. That, that's a that's a really feels very like a hermit. I'm also thinking about Yoda on his own planet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Luke Skywalker coming out to consult with him and being in that very. You know, a place where no one would go, really. This oh, is that is swampy, rich
0: in symbolism. A swamp <laughs> that's
1: alive that he gets sucked
0: into. and Right. That's, I mean, Star Wars itself. And, you know, that is, it is the hero's journey. It was modeled after it. That's brilliant. I, uh... One thing in terms of the image I had to mention, because the first thing I thought of, the image of the Hermit Tarot, is Led Zeppelin. Um, I'm betraying my age here, but Led Zeppelin, they had a poster, I don't know if it was an album cover, where it was, it's the Hermit image, it's exactly that. And the the, the lyrics to Stairway to Heaven um, actually very much relate to the Hermit process. So if anyone's interested in kind of Googling... um, the images used for Stairway to Heaven and Led Zeppelin that the little snip of the lyrics is, is the perfect sort of encapsulation of the hermit stage and the process of sort of coming back to center and, and being one and finding out that like, you know, all is one and this centeredness. So, um, more cultural references, shall we? For, for this Please baby? do. Please um, do. Weirdly enough, I, I was looking at my shelf of DVDs and I was like, Willy Wonka. Oh my goodness. Willy Wonka both uh, versions I think the the Tim Burton and the original um one from the seventies Willy Wonka is a character who has pulled himself back from the world mm. um he has become this hermit, this recluse, and that the the crux of the the movies more than the book I think is also that reaching back out to the world and what he's looking for is an heir is an heir to basically his throne in this candy kingdom um and so that's symbolically something that happens with the hermit. It's got its own derivations within it, but I thought it was a fun reference. Um, the movie get low, which was, I think just from a couple years ago, uh, Robert Duvall. Love um, him. Yeah. And it was an interesting film. He's very much a hermit, but there's a lot of victim archetype in there too, where you see him reacting to his own heartbreak and what had happened in his life and the world kind of coming in to get him. Mm -hmm. Um, interesting movie. He basically is throwing his own, um, um, memorial or funeral while he, while he's still alive oh, wow. so mm. that was a fun one and symbolically really exciting lost in translation with bill murray that's something about you know being the hermit within the crowd um right interesting way he kind of makes connections mm. i think it's valid for the hermit amongst others that movie into the wild with emile hirsch interesting one to watch kind of painful not a happy ending i'm warning you but there is that reconnection with nature and sort of finding his own aliveness within his connection to the wild world. Which is um, based
1: off a true story, right? It is based, based on a based true story. Based off a book into the wild, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then an interesting one, because it's a combination of the hermit and warrior, is Forrest Whitaker in Ghost Dog, which is 1999. Jim Darmish, one of my favorite filmmakers. So those and possibly some more will be um, up on my on my website, so you can go and... And take a look at some more hermit references. And for me, please do. I love when people comment either on our blogcast site or on our various web posts. Um, please comment. We love seeing that. And it gives us great feedback on how we're doing, how we can better, you know, sort of serve you in talking about these archetypes. So please do that um, or email us at podcast at archetypist.com. So please. Please feel free to be in touch. Do we have any? Uh, do we have any more words on our little harmony friend here?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm in the process uh of actually brainstorming with this woman in the desert. Her mm-hmm. name is Rhonda, and um, uh, I would love to do some desert retreats. Actually, nice. so so actually, being able to offer something where people can come to a desert paradise and really. Um, Have time for reflection, some time alone, but also a time to integrate and and discuss um, one's life, why you're apart. So this will be in Joshua Tree. I'm thinking around in the fall. So if you're interested in any of this, you can email me at cindera at tarot Tarot is spelled T-A-R-O-T. And, um, exciting Yeah, it's really exciting. I'm very, I want to go. Yeah. (laughs) All right. You're my first customer. All right. Very good. Um, but yeah, I, we would love to hear your comments on this show and, uh, and stay tuned for next time around, we will be around. Tur- yeah, the next time around we'll be turning your crank with the uh, <laughs> with the Wheel of Fortune card. Our, our hero will, after spending a little time in Hermitage, will be feeling the bravery to chance Wheel of Fortune once again.
0: Okay. Very good. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Sundara. All right. Thanks, Julian. Ooh. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to help keep this podcast going by becoming a patron. It's super easy. Just visit tiny.cc tarot for more information and the many cool rewards for joining. That's tiny.cc tarot. Thank you for joining us for the archetypal tarot podcast. For more information on Cindera's work, please visit her website, tarotdreamstone.com. For more information on Archetype Consulting, visit archetypist.com. That's A R C H T Y P I S T.com. Thanks for listening.